Hey, of all the things that you could be doing today, thank you for taking the time to be with us today. Welcome to The Quest. It's always good to spend time together, especially if you're a guest. If you're a guest, we always encourage our guests to scan the QR code. That QR code will pop up a link. That link will help answer some of the questions that you might have about who we are. It'll help connect us together if that's something that you'd like to do. We also understand that many people like to watch from the back row and have little human contact as possible. And if that's you, we understand. We're just glad that you're here with us. Again, it's always good to spend time together. If you need us, if you want to make that connection, that QR code is probably the best way to do it, or you can just call the church office and we will call you back. Hey, before we get into the talk, a quick reminder is this. All of our talks are available in podcast form. All you have to do is search Fresno Quest Church on any of the podcast platforms that you're a part of, and you'll find us there. All right, before we get into the talk, let's pray together. Prayer is such an important part of what we do, such an important part of connecting with God. And we don't want to take that for granted. We don't want to blow it off. We want to make time. We want to intentionally connect with God. So regardless of what you're doing right now, I want to encourage you to intentionally connect with God today. I want you to have a conversation with Him, just to slow down and to bring the activities of your day, the activities of your life, the cares of your heart, the anxieties that you might be dealing with, the troubles that you're facing, and I want you to take all of this collectively and just give it to Him. Just say, listen, this is things that are weighing me down, and I'm not intended to carry them. I want you to carry them. And not only in doing that do we feel better, but it's in doing that that we begin to take steps of faith and trusting God. So let's do that together. Father, we come to you and you know our hearts and you know the issues of our lives and you want us to do life with you. You want us to trust you with our lives, not just with us, but with the activity of our lives. And so Lord, today we just collectively, intentionally take time to spend with you, to connect with you, to invite you in to the chaos of our world, to invite you in to the chaos of our hearts and to speak peace, to give joy where we need it, to give us faith and courage that we need so much. Father, you know each individual that's listening right now. You know what's going on in their lives and you know how desperately they need you. So today, Father, would you just breathe life into us? Breathe life into them. What's so great is no matter how many miles separate us, absolutely no miles separate you and them. Father, you're right there with them at this moment. And I ask that you would speak into their lives, that you would give them courage and faith as they trust you. Lord, today we just open up our hearts and we ask that you would speak to us we ask that you'd make yourself real to us. Father, we just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Listen, we're in this series that we've entitled, I've Made Up My Mind. The decisions and choices that we make today form and shape our lives tomorrow. Who we become, the purpose of our lives, the influences in our lives, are all based on the decisions that we make today. So making up our mind is critically important. You might want to write this point down. When we make up our minds, we're establishing a new value of something in our lives. Something that's existing in our lives even. It might be to a smaller degree, but we're increasing the value. We're making up our minds to value something more than we currently do. These values are principles that establish the priorities of our behaviors. So what happens is what's important to us becomes priorities that we live with, that we live out. 
When something is important to us, we commit ourselves to it. And that commitment shapes our decisions. And so something else you might want to write down is this. The decisions that we make reflect the commitments we've made. Our commitments shape our decisions. The commitments that we've made in the past, those things that are important to us, they shape our decisions today. So when faced with a situation in life, we have already made up our mind, our course of action. Our commitment has defined that for us. We want to commit ourselves to a course of action that keeps us connected to Jesus. That's what we've been looking at as we learn to commit and learn to follow Jesus, to become fully devoted followers of Jesus, as it were. Last week I mentioned Joshua challenging God's people with this very same idea, and I want to read that scripture, but just a little bit more as well, where he says this. Joshua spoke to the people and he said, Choose you this day whom you will serve. And then he goes on to say this, But as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. You hear that? He's already made up his mind what he's going to do. He's already made up his mind what his decision will be tomorrow, in the future. While the people that Joshua was speaking to were torn between ancestral idols, the culture they lived in, the circumstances in front of them, and the people around them, all of those had influences on their decisions, which meant their decisions for God were all over the place. They were compromised and inconsistent. So Joshua makes up his mind to follow God before the challenge to compromise comes before him. That's what he was saying when he said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord, regardless of what comes our way. See, God is working in us a commitment to Jesus that is greater than our emotions and our culture and our circumstances. But God will never override your and my ability to choose. He's given us free will to choose, to make up our own mind. That's why we have to make up our mind so that we're not influenced by the things around us. And here's one of the reasons why that's so important. If we don't make up our minds, we will make up excuses. We will make up excuses that lead us away from Jesus rather than staying with the commitments that tie us to Jesus. These excuses will allow compromises into our life. We have to make up our mind that no matter what others might do, no matter how difficult it might be, no matter what we feel like doing, no matter how hard it might be, we've made up our mind to follow Jesus. That's what we said in the very first week of the series. We choose to make our lives about Jesus. We also talked about we've made up our mind to stay with Jesus, to make Jesus the source of our life, to tap into him as the source of our life. Last week, we looked at we've made up our minds to serve Jesus. And we serve Jesus in serving others. So when we go to work, we're there to serve Jesus. We're looking for opportunities to serve Jesus, and we serve Jesus in serving others. So as we wrap up the series today, the last one we're going to look at is this. I've made up my mind to share Jesus. This is definitely one of those areas that if we don't make up our mind to share Jesus, we're going to make up excuses why we can't share Jesus. Statistics tell us that most Christians do not share Jesus. In fact, of the people that do, that percentage is declining. Even though Scripture instructs us to share Jesus. If you remember, Jesus gave the Great Commission. And it reads like this. 
Go and make disciples of all the people in the world. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey everything that I have taught you. And I will be with you always, even until the end of the age. In Acts, it says this, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses, Jesus says, telling people about me everywhere. Another scripture in 2 Corinthians tells us this, that God brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message a ministry, as it were, of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. I mean, first of all, there's no doubt that as followers of Christ, we've been given a mission to live out, a task to carry out. And these scriptures point out an important point that we need to know. You can write it down. It's this. God has a strategy to reach people, and you're it. You are the strategy to reach the people in your life. You are the carrier of hope. God's strategy to reach your friends, your family, is you. Jesus cares about the people in your life, and he partners with you in reaching them. The scripture that we read a little while ago, the Great Commission, reminds us and tells us what to do, but it also reminds us that we're not in this alone, that Jesus said that he is with us always. This is not something that we can carry out on our own, but Jesus is with us to partner with us, to help us and enable us. So if Jesus told us to share Jesus, then why wouldn't we? I mean, there's so many reasons, right, why people won't share their faith or share Jesus. Some people are afraid. They're afraid to fail. They don't want to look stupid. Some don't feel qualified. They don't feel like they know enough. They don't know exactly what to say or maybe even how to approach the subject. I mean, and then, of course, we don't want to be pushy and we shouldn't be pushy. But then again, when we bring up the subject, we're kind of feeling like it's a pushy thing. Listen, it's okay to be uncomfortable with the process, but it's not okay to be disobedient. It's not okay to just blow it off because, well, we've made excuses. If Jesus tells us to do something, we need to make up our minds to do it. Listen, there can be many reasons why we don't share Jesus. And there's always risks that are involved. But we'll never share Jesus, and I want you to write this down. We'll never share Jesus until the people in our lives are worth the risk. Until the value we have on people is greater than the fear of what we stand to lose. I don't need to ask this question, but I will. Do you love and care about your family, your friends, your neighbors, those that are disconnected from Jesus? Do you love and care for them enough to risk what you fear losing? That might be something important to look at in your life. Do you love the people in your life enough to risk sharing Jesus? Also, we'll never share Jesus until we understand why people reject Jesus. We tend to try to understand why people would even reject Jesus in the first place. I mean, maybe it's because we're not explaining it well enough. Is it because of the distractions in their lives? Or maybe it's the allures of life. There has to be a reason why people reject Jesus. And the scripture tells us why that is. 
it says this, Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. See, the truth is we were all blinded once, left in the dark, hating the light. But here's the great news that we have as we share Jesus with others. And that's this, the light in us is greater than the darkness around us. People need the light that is in us to illuminate the darkness that clouds their perspective, that keeps them from seeing and understanding Jesus. Listen, the light in us is greater than the darkness that we face. Also, we'll never be willing to share Jesus until we accept that people's choices matter. Our choices and decisions are so important. People's choices have consequences. All of our choices have consequences. And, and when we understand those consequences, sharing Jesus becomes a whole lot more important. Jesus said it this way. He says, you can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad and its gate is wide for the many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow and the road is difficult and only a few find it. It's narrow because Jesus is the only way. That's not a popular statement in our culture today and in our world today, but it's the truth. And it's a truth that we have to understand if somebody does not choose Jesus, there are consequences. See, the choices that people make choose the path that they take and only one path leads to God. Listen, when we understand that our friends' choices have consequences, then we will make sharing Jesus a priority for sure. Also, we'll never be willing to share Jesus until we're convinced where lost people go. There's absolutely no reason to share your faith if everyone goes to heaven. And some people actually believe that. The problem is that's not what the Bible says is true. We have to understand, and I think you can write this down, heaven and hell are real places. They're not just imaginary places. They're not just figurative places. Heaven is an opportunity to spend eternity with God, and hell is a choice to spend eternity away from God. The choices we make in this life carry over into the next life. The choices that we make in this life have consequences for the next life. There's absolutely no reason to believe that we will spend eternity with God if we choose in this life to reject God. There's absolutely no reason to believe that we will get to spend eternity with Him if we don't want to do life with Him now. God wants to honor your choice. He wants to honor my cho all of our choices. So these choices are important. See, when it comes to hell, the scripture tells us that hell is a physical place. It's a lake of fire. It's a tormenting place. It is also an eternal place. And it wasn't created for man, it was created for Satan and his angels. Listen to how Jesus said it. He said it this way in Matthew, he said, Depart from me, you who are cursed into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. Some people believe that hell is a great party, but the Bible says that hell is a place of punishment. Actually weeping and gnashing of teeth is what it says. Because the stakes are high. And here's a sobering fact you can write down. When we're convinced that hell is real, we'll do all we can to share Jesus with everyone that we can. And I want to be really careful with this. I'm not talking about hell to scare anyone 
into heaven. But we have to understand what is at stake here. We have to understand that hell is a real place. And while it might not be a popular subject, it doesn't mean that we ignore it. So if we're going to share Jesus with others, write this down. We have to do things that we've personally never done before. We have to be willing to take a risk to have a conversation about Jesus, to have a conversation about eternity and where they plan to spend eternity and why they think they're going to spend eternity where they're going to spend it. We have to be willing to take a risk and invite people to church. We have to be willing to risk being turned down. So how do we share Jesus? This to me is where the rubber meets the road. Sharing Jesus means this, we share our hope. When we share hope, we share what Jesus came to do. Most people believe that God is against them. Most people disconnected from God don't believe actually that God loves them. They believe that God is disappointed with them. God is not against them. God is against sin. And because God is against sin and sin is a part of all of our lives, God had to do something about sin. He had to destroy it so that we could actually choose a life away from sin. And here's the hope that we have, and that's this. God loves you more than you would ever know, and He sent Jesus to pay for your sins, every single one of them. Every single one of them have been paid for by Jesus on the cross. I mean, the scripture is there on your screen, but it says in John 3, 16, that God loved the world so much that He gave His one and only Son, Jesus that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. We also share hope because we share that God can give peace no matter what the circumstances are in our lives. And man, everyone needs to hear that today. Our hope also means that God will give people strength to make it through all of the circumstances that they face. Our hope is that God is ready to save us now, that God has a place for us in heaven, and our hope is also that God wants to do life with us, that Jesus came to do life with us, that we would never be separated from him. We don't face anything by ourselves. We face everything with Christ and his strength. Listen, God has done everything already. All we have to do is choose him, surrender to him, and begin to trust him in our lives. It doesn't mean that you're not going to mess up. You will. But it means we've made a choice to not make our lives about us, but to make our lives about God, to put Jesus in the center of our lives and to live out his mission. Sharing Jesus also means this, that we invest in people. We have to make up our mind to invest time into people. Every single one of us can do this and we can do it well. If we're going to share Jesus and invest in people, then one of the things that we can do, and write this down, is we need to invest in praying for people that are disconnected from Jesus. See, praying is asking God for help, for wisdom, for courage, for God to speak to them, for God to help them open their hearts, for God's light to shine into the darkness of their lives, for them to see His love for them, for them to accept his love for them. That's what Paul said when he wrote this, my friends, how I wish with all of my heart that my own people might be saved. And then he goes on, he says, how I pray to God for them. I want to remind you that prayer is essential. God changes people's hearts when we pray. And when we pray, we're asking God to step in, to use us, to work through us, to help us make it clear to them 
We want them to experience God and have an encounter with God. God may be speaking to you right now about people in your life that are disconnected from Him. I would encourage you to start investing time into these people that God's putting on your heart. Ask God to use you to share Jesus with them. Another point to write down is we also need relationships with people that are disconnected with God. We need to invest in relationships with people that don't have relationships with God. And God has put people into your circle of influence, people who have relationship with you, people who trust you. And he has them in your life for a purpose. The time that you have already invested into these individuals is an investment for God to use you to speak hope into their lives. He's placed you into their lives. You might remember the story in the Bible about the woman at the well. Jesus has an encounter with a woman that's getting water from the well. And the scripture reads this way, that the woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village telling everyone, come and see a man who told me everything that I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people came streaming from the village to see him. Listen, many Christians no longer hang out with people that are disconnected from Jesus. And it's not God's strategy for us to stay away from people who are away from God. If you remember, Jesus continually spent time with people that were disconnected. People that didn't go to church. People that needed Jesus. People that were hurt. People that were broken. Another point to write down is sharing Jesus also means that we invite people to church. Sharing Jesus is an opportunity for others to experience Jesus and to encounter Jesus. And that happens when we can sometimes invite them to a place where they can experience Jesus and encounter Jesus, even though they can do this at any point. If at any point we don't feel qualified or that we can do it, we can still invite people to church. There's a great example of an invitation in Scripture with Jesus, and it says, As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at a tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciples, is what Jesus said to him. So Matthew got up and followed him. It was just that simple. I believe that we're constantly to be inviting people to come and see, to come and experience Jesus, because we care about them. Last one, sharing Jesus means this that we share our story. Every single one of us have a story of what Jesus has done in our lives personally, what God has done in us since we put our faith in Jesus. Your story matters. Your story is important. Your story puts you on the same level with others because we all need Jesus. We're not any better than them. We've just already made up our mind. We made our decision to follow Jesus. They haven't yet. Your story also helps others to know you. You're not perfect and you have a past that others can relate to. Your story also helps others to understand you. You've had hurts and hurdles that God has helped you overcome. Jesus has healed those things in your life and given you strength in life. And also your story shows that you're in the process of becoming, that you haven't arrived. You're not perfect. You still mess up. You don't have it all together. This is a process, and that's important for people to hear in your story. And one more I'd like you to write down. Your story communicates that if you're willing to share it, there must be something to it. If you're willing to risk rejection, risk caring, risk extending your compassion, if it's that important to you, they may be open to listen. 
Remember that your story is not about you. It's about Jesus in you. It's about what Jesus has done for you. First Peter says this, if someone asks you about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it, but do it in a gentle and respectful way. I make this statement a lot because I believe it's really important. But when it comes to this great commission, we'll never respond to the great commission that Jesus has given us if we don't have the compassion of Jesus within us. We'll never respond to the great commission without great compassion. So a few questions that maybe you can ask of yourself. Do you really have compassion for your friends and family that are disconnected from Jesus? Are you willing to risk everything for, for their eternity? Are you willing to invite them to church? Are you willing to invite them to come with you? Statistics tell us that less than 5% of Christians have brought someone to church in the last 12 months. I would hope that that statistic does not include you because that statistic does not communicate a love that is willing to risk everything for others. God will always bless us when we take steps of faith. When we're willing to risk what we think is important for what God says is important. Do me a favor if you would. If you have the opportunity, you can. You can close your eyes. If not, just you can still watch me and listen to me. What I want to do is I want to encourage you. If you don't have that relationship, which is I want to invite you. I want you to know that I've invested time praying for you. I want you to know that I care and I have compassion. I want you to know that God loves you more than you could ever know. Jesus has already paid the price for your sins. There's nothing that you have to do other than accept Christ into your life. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, scripture says you will be saved. Man, that's what I want for you. That's what God wants for you. He did everything for you. There's nothing you have to do because he's done it all for you. But it's your choice and your choice has consequences. So does mine. I don't want you to miss out on God's love in your life, God's purpose for your life. And all you have to do is you have to ask God personally to come in and reside, to take up residence inside of you, to surrender yourself and say, I want you to be in control of my life. There are no magic words. There is no fairy dust that gets sprinkled on you for you to have this right encounter. You talk to God like you would talk to anybody else. God is listening to you. He knows you intimately and he wants you to ask. Are you good enough? No, but you don't have to be. Do you have it all together yet? No, but you don't have to. Bring God into your mess. Let's pray together. Father, we love you so very much and I thank you for each person, each person listening. Father, those that are struggling with this issue, struggling with the fact of surrendering themselves and surrendering their lives and embracing you and asking you to take up residency in their lives. Father, I ask that you would give them strength today and faith today as they embrace your hope, as they embrace your love for their lives. Father, it does not make sense that we don't have to do anything because you've done everything. But Father, I ask that you would allow each person to experience new life, new purpose to live with. 